0: This is the On The Banks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB
1: underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glenn. Hello, everyone. I am, of course, your host, Lance Glenn, and this is episode 83 of the On The Banks Podcast. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance underscore G11, and you can follow On The Banks as well at OTB underscore SB Nation. If you enjoy what we do with the On the Banks podcast, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us just by searching On the Banks. With the return of Rutgers sports, make sure to check out onthebanks.com for all your Rutgers news, opinions, and information on every game and everything happening during the week. Joining me on episode 83 is the managing editor of On the Banks, Aaron Brightman, and Illinois athletics reporter for the News Gazette in Champaign-Urbana, Scott Ritchie you know, it's crazy to think this week against Illinois marks the halfway point of the 2020 season. Now, luckily for Rutgers and knock on wood here, but they've gotten through these first four weeks without any bumps in the road. And and frankly, the Big Ten as a whole, really, minus Wisconsin and a few other cases here and there, including the team they're playing this week, Illinois, the conference has managed to get most of the games in. Now, I think for all the criticism the Big Ten received this offseason, most of it warranted, we have to commend the conference and the programs for being able to get this far and reach the halfway point. These student-athletes, they're not in bubbles like professional athletes. At some schools, they have classes, there are other students on campus, and there is a greater risk of exposure other than just game days. Now, of course, we still have the second half of the season left, and the case count in most states is increasing. We've hit a new wave in this pandemic, one that seems much more drastic than the previous ones. But I think we need to commend everyone that has played a role in putting these first four weeks together. The future, of course, is unknown, but I do know that the return of records football has certainly made my Saturdays more enjoyable. We've seen a lot to like about this program, and hopefully we're able to see a completed season and much more from the Scarlet Knights as 2020 rolls along.
0: Time to talk to the reporters. Here's your host, Lance Glenn.
1: He is the managing editor for our great on-the-bank site, and he joins me now to discuss Rutgers ahead of Game 4 against Illinois. I am very excited to have on the podcast Aaron Brightman. Aaron, as always, appreciate the time. Thanks so much for coming on and joining me.
0: Thanks for having me back, Lance, and uh, great job as always. And uh, it's always fun to talk about a potential win uh which this week uh allows us to do so we'll see but um it's good to be talking football again
1: so let's start with the ohio game ohio state game excuse me last saturday obviously the best result in any game no matter who you play is a win but we all knew that going to arguably the best team in the country while in year one of a rebuild is extremely difficult would you agree that even though the Scarlet Knights obviously didn't end up victorious against the Buckeyes, the end result of the game was honestly as good as records fans really could have hoped for?
0: Uh, I, I think the end result, yes. I think the feeling that we got coming out of that game is, is probably as as good as we could have hoped. I think that, you know, to be honest, we, we probably would have uh, been happier in a way if um, the score would have worked out the same, but they would have been more competitive initially, I think. Um, But what we got from the really poor first half is that this team, again, just uh, reinforced the fact that they never quit uh, they, they they really fight, and they, they really made Ohio State work a lot more than they expected in the second half. And just to, you know, I mean, they, they really were very close to making it a two-score game. Ohio State had to keep all their starters in at the end of the game. At, you know, at halftime, obviously, that surely was not expected. Um, so I think at halftime, you know, it kind of seemed, oh, here we go again. You know, nothing's really changed in terms of facing a top team. But certainly very encouraging second half. Um, for a lot of reasons. And uh, I think, yeah, the feeling out of that game was, you know, you, you never want to uh, long-term accept moral victories, but I think in this case, year one with Chiano, um, that really was a, a very positive moral victory. Um, and, and certainly some things that we saw that, you know, they can build on moving forward. I think this team's gonna have confidence. And I think what, the other thing too is that, you know, now that we're through Indiana and Ohio State, the way things have looked through three weeks, You could argue, I mean, those are the two toughest teams on Rutgers' schedule, and they're obviously both ranked in the top ten nationally. So, um, you know, I I think it's fair to say every other game remaining is a potentially winning game, uh, winnable game for Rutgers.
1: So one coach that really, I think, has caught the eyes of a lot of Rutgers fans over the past few weeks is special teams coordinator Adam Shire. You know, we've really certainly seen from him, you know, creativity um, on returns. What's been your impressions of the special teams through three games and really of all the trick plays we have seen both from special teams, as I mentioned, and even some from Sean Gleason offensively as well?
0: Well, I think, you know, it, it, it's an extension of the head coach. And I think what Sean was preached and what the players have commented after games and, and speaking with them is that, you know, it's all about the preparation. They, they you know, all the trick plays that happened on Saturday and talking to the players, you know, they all echo the same sentiment as they they practiced it all week. You know they practiced it all week and they felt comfortable in the game. And it was really just a matter of execution. The confidence level that the team has right now, um, to me, has been really striking. Just to hear the players comment about, um, you know, they, they they they've all bought into the keep shopping mentality. But it's really that the power of the of the preparation. You know, and Shiano talked about that, I asked him, you know, about uh, having fun and. You know, the players being loose, and he, he brought it all back to preparation, and, and that if the players feel prepared, they're going to feel looser than 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 not. And I think that, that we've seen that. I think the creativity of the coaching staff has been um, really important, and Shire has done a great job of Special teams. I mean, the last three halves, you know, the game against Ohio State and, and uh, the second half of the Indiana game, um, this team has really been strong on special teams and I think that that they need to be In every game that they're going to win this season They have to really outperform the other team on special teams um, and I think that we're seeing that um, in, in all units and, and just in terms of if you look back on years past, you know The return averages on punts and kicks have been really bad and this year You know with with Aaron Crookshank is a kick returner, you know, Bo Melton um, on punt returns along with Aaron Young and, and, and now they're, excuse me, Avery Young, and now their creativity
1: uh, with trick plays, it's it's really um, led to some success. And you, know, you mentioned preparation and execution, and obviously when you have great preparation and great execution and great confidence that you could put the plays that the coaches give you into action, obviously comes players who may have underachieved. Those players start to step up and reach their potential. And I think we've seen the biggest jump this year come from Bo Melton. You know, through three games, he already has 15 catches. In a 12-game season last year, he only had 30. He already has more total touchdowns this year than all of last year as well. What stood out to you about the senior receiver now that he seems to have really become the go-to guy that Rutgers fans have been waiting for over these last few years?
0: Well, he's shown flashes, you know, for for a few years now, but I think really uh, it's a credit to his ability to take coaching and the fact that, you know, I think we have the best coaching staff we've had, as you said before, potentially ever. And I think they've really been able to tap into his strengths. Um, you know, I think, uh, uh, Tyquan Underwood is a, a really, really good, um, receivers coach. And I think that they've, as an offense, you know, with Gleason, they're, they're putting Melton in, um, you know, spots that, that played it with strengths. And I think, um, on special teams, you know, from Shiano's first tenure, a big, uh, kind of change or from the previous years is that Shiano was very big on playing his best players on special teams, you know? So he, Melton is getting a chance to perform on special teams too. And I think they're, they're, they're just as a, as a whole responding to the coaching they're getting. Um, and I think they, their confidence level is way up. So I think Melton's, you know, he, he's always had that ability. He was a four-star recruit. And it's really, um, I think for all Rutgers fans, you know, he's someone that's been easy to root for over the years. Um, and, you know, we've all kind of felt his struggles to to a degree. And to see him perform at the level he is this season has is, is really been fun to
1: watch. Switching over to the defense now, the defensive front seven is probably the best front seven Rutgers has had in a long time. So much emphasis this offseason was on the in- incoming transfers, and look, don't get me wrong, they've been great, but guys like Julius Turner, Tyshawn Fogg, Olukunle Farakasi, they've been huge contributors. In fact, all three are probably having their best seasons at Rutgers this year. What, and I guess I should also say who, has impressed you in the front seven of this Rutgers defense so far?
0: Well, Julius Turner has been a revelation. I mean, he, he's probably been the best defensive player on the team uh, through three games um, you know he had three tackles for a loss against Ohio State he really held his own against you know one of the best teams in the country and um, he's just been a force all season you know coming off of an injury um, you know he's he's lost some weight and and I think that you know his his example um, or his contribution is an example of a, a little bit of a change in philosophy on the defensive end you know um, as, a, as a unit you know they're they're they've definitely they've slimmed down the strength and conditioning program you know with Jay Butler is, is certainly different than in the years past you know they're less bulky and it's you know Shiano's always emphasized speed on the defensive end and you're seeing that closing speed um, you know really have an impact obviously that first game with the seven takeaways um, but just they're they're getting to the ball quicker they they they're making more tackles um, and Julius Turner has just been such a disruptor through three games that you really didn't expect him to be performing at this level. So he's been a pleasant surprise. Um, and really, I, I think there's no sign of him letting up. I think he's going to have a fantastic year. And uh, again, w- one thing that you and I talked about previously was signs of player development. You know, who, who is this staff making better? Something that we haven't, you know, didn't see previously the last couple of years, and, and we're already seeing it through three games that players like Melton, you know, are, are fulfilling their potential and, and Turner is really exceeding expectations. So right there, you have two prime examples and we're we're not even halfway through the season. So it's really encouraging overall.
1: Look, Rutgers, they're only one and two, and obviously they have a big game this weekend that we'll get into in a little bit. But do you get the sense that already in year one, only three games into the Shiano era part two the, that the outside perception around Rutgers football is changing for the better?
0: Definitely. I think that, you know, it's certainly early in the process. Um, I think this week is a huge week for perception-wise. I think if, you know, they are able to win, it's just going to reinforce the progress that's being made. I don't think a loss would negate the process that's happened, or the progress that's already taken place, but it certainly would I think accelerate uh, change in perception and expectations a bit by winning um, you know if you had said going into the season they were 2-2 two and two at the midway point um, you know I don't think many people would, would, would take that bet so um, but but regardless through three games I think, you know listen it, it doesn't hurt having Urban Meyer on BTN you know praising Shiano and, 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 and the program and everything like that you know you, you, you have allies like that that are out there they're going to um, certainly speak highly of Chiano and, and the program. But I think overall, they, yes, they, they've certainly made an impression. I think the rest of the league, you know, the big team East, um, you know, is, is is such a difficult division. I think uh, they're on notice knowing that, you know, um, even though Rutgers isn't necessarily a winning team yet, they certainly aren't the pushover they used to be. And um, certainly it's going to make life harder for everyone else in, in, in the division.
1: So let's move on to the Illinois game obviously this illinois team is one in flux they're sitting at zero and three and really they've only been competitive in one game so far and rutgers on the other hand they're favored in this game i think by a touchdown it's the first time they've been favored i believe in years in your mind and look it's only game four of year one of a rebuild but in your mind is this a must win game for the scarlet knights well,
0: I, I, you know, in, in a way, yes, because I think that this is the most winnable game left on the schedule, um, and it really would be, you know, with all the progress that we've seen through three games. Um, you know, if, if at the end of the season in December you look back, you say, well, there was progress, but they only won one game. You know, uh, it would I? I don't want to say disappointing, but. Um, I would say at this point fans are you know hoping for more and I know that Shiano and the team are hoping for more so I think uh, listen you know the way they've played two top 10 teams if they can continue to play at that level they should win this game so I think that if they don't um, you know they would take a bit of a step back on the field Uh, so you know, grand scheme of things, no, it's not a must win, but I think of of where they put themselves in a position heading into this game, um, it's surely a game they they want and and would really just help uh, continue forward progress and and give them an opportunity to really exceed expectations in year one.
1: Aaron, a couple more before I let you go. In your opinion, who needs to be that guy, or, or maybe it's a handful of guys, but who needs to be that person to step up for Rutgers so that when we look back after this game on saturday we see a a Rutgers win out of it
0: i think noah vidral has to have a really good game at quarterback i think uh he's done a very very good job of running the offense of of making smart decisions he can read the defense um you know he's certainly very capable he's he's obviously made some poor throws at times um you know he he certainly hasn't been perfect but i think that you know if he can come out and have a strong game i think uh you know illinois is that uh, likes to really, um, you know, crowd the front and, and, and the middle of the field. If, if he can get those intermediate routes working, um, you know, and hit, hit receivers and tight ends, you know, 10, 10, 15 yards out, uh, I think he's gonna be able to have some success and they're gonna have room to run. So I think that, uh, you know, Illinois is gonna try to stop the run up the middle. Uh, so for Verdral to get on the outside, either, you know, um, uh, with his feet, or getting outside to scramble and hitting some open receivers. I think, you know, we're starting to see the receivers be able to gain some separation now. Um, so he's really a key to the game. Obviously, quarterback's key in every game, but I think this specifically, you know, they, they can't rely on Pacheco to run it up the middle 20 times and have, you know, uh, enough success to win because Illinois is going to stack the box. So I think Bidral has got to be able to make some plays to keep him honest, uh, especially early on, and then that will help open up the run game, uh, especially, you know, they, they need to look on the outside. Outside, but that run game can really wear Illinois down in the second half. Um, but Vedral really needs to set the tone, and then defensively, I think you know they, they need to get back to, to multiple takeaways. They, they need to have a few takeaways in this game. Illinois, you know, is going to be without their starter and I believe their backup as well. Um, so you know they've really struggled uh, their third and fourth string quarterbacks. So um, putting pressure. Uh, On that quarterback, whoever it may be, there's there's a few. um, According to our friends at Champagne Room uh, SB Nation site, it's between Corin Taylor, uh, Isaiah Williams, and Matt Robinson. Uh, So their backup is Isaiah Williams. So he's the one to watch there. But um, you know they need to put pressure on that backup quarterback and really make him make plays. Uh, But but forcing turnovers would certainly help the offense. And I think if they can get you know three three takeaways in this game, it's going to be really hard for Illinois to win.
1: So Aaron, last one for me. Look, Rutgers Illinois on Saturday at SHR Stadium. Who do you think ultimately comes away with the victory?
0: I think Rutgers is going to win. I, I you know it's 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 weird to have such confidence uh, only in game four, but I think this is certainly a game. That they they at this point, it's fair to say they should win. Um, you know, uh, obviously they, they're they're. Um, I mean, I think they've made some uh, a little bit of surprise in terms of how well they've competed. You know, like you said, in the second half against Ohio State and even Indiana, you know, that could have been a a closer game if they had uh, reduced some mistakes. So, you know, we're at the point where I think they can compete against everyone, um, you know uh consistently except for the top teams and this is you know Illinois is arguably the worst team in the Big 10 right now so this is a game they need to win at home uh to take another step forward i think that they uh you know defensively will have a good game i think offensively you know uh they 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 need to improve that second quarter they've really uh been stagnant in that second quarter if they can build some momentum Going into halftime, I think this team can wear Illinois down pretty well in this second half. So, you know, I see Rutgers winning this game by more than one score. I think it'll be close for a while, um, but I see them breaking away towards the end. And um, I don't know if you're asking for a score or not, but I, I'll just say Rutgers 31, Illinois uh, 14.
1: We'll see certainly come this Saturday and hopefully Rutgers, as all of us are, obviously fans as well, hopefully Rutgers is able to come away and, and even up their record at 2-2. Two and two. Aaron Brightman, our leader at, at on the banks. Aaron, appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast and talking some Rutgers football. Thanks for everything, Lance. He covers Illinois Athletics for the News Gazette in Champaign, and he joins me now to talk Illinois football. I am, ha- I am happy to welcome Welcome on to the podcast, Scott Ritchie. Scott, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast and, of course, giving me some time today.
2: Not a problem. Always uh, always glad to talk any kind of sport.
1: So let's start with this team overall, right? A bowl game last season, it seemed like this program was headed in the right direction. You fast forward to now this year, and they're 0-3, and their really only competitive game was against Purdue. And now heading into Saturday, they're 7.0 underdogs against Rutgers I guess this is a general question but what's wrong with this team why have they regressed so much after what was looked at as a season of great progress last year
2: oh man I'm not sure your podcast is going to be long enough to
1: have <laughs> issues. Um,
2: yeah I mean last year you know reaching a bowl game for the first time since 2014 was seen as progress and, and it was I mean, however after clinching bowl eligibility with that a great you know, come from behind win at Michigan State. Illinois lost uh, its next two games in the the regular season to finish things out, then lost in the bowl game to Cal, and started the season with three losses, like you mentioned. And um, for a team that was kind of touted just for the you know experience it brought back, you know, for those seniors that played as true freshmen in 2017, and there were. Twenty-three of them, uh, if I remember the number correctly. I mean, it hasn't translated into any type of success. Um, you know, this season. You mentioned you know, the other, the close game against Purdue. Um, really, that was featured. Really, maybe the only competitive quarter out of twelve that Illinois has played this year. with that, you know, that fourth quarter you know, comeback attempt, at least so I mean the offense has struggled um and, and part of that is Brandon Peters you know missing the last two games after a positive COVID test in, in Illinois through that test through contact tracing through an injury you know playing its fourth string quarterback in Cron Taylor I mean, the offense wasn't maybe going to be great but you know the defense has just been bad I think you, I can just say that um pass defense has been, you know, a serious issue. I mean, heading into the Minnesota game, you know, Graham Mertz, Aiden O'Connell completed almost 88% of their passes combined against Illinois. Tanner Morgan wasn't quite as good, but still was in the mid-60s completion percentage-wise, and then Malai Ibrahim rushed for 230 yards, essentially, and four touchdowns, so the, the run defense kind of cut up to the pass defense in terms of not being able to stop anybody. And, um, that's with a fairly veteran group, Lovey Smith as head coach slash defensive coordinator, and they're just not getting the job done.
1: And look, you know, had it not been for the bowl game last season, I think, you know, there's a chance, maybe a small one, you'd know better than I would, but maybe a chance that Lovey Smith may not even be the head coach right now. What's the vibe surrounding Lovey, his job status, and his coaching performance through the first three games?
2: Well, just to start with the performance, and, you know, he has said, I think, every week that, you know, everything eventually you know falls back on him as head coach, and that's not just these three games this year, but in his you know, entire tenure at Illinois, and it's not been a successful one, just from a wins and losses standpoint. I mean, if you look at it, he's fifteen and thirty-seven overall, and eight and thirty-one in the Big Ten. Um, that said, Illinois athletic director Josh Whitman has been in Lovie Smith's corner one hundred percent, and. You combine his sort of unwavering support, plus a pandemic and the financial hole I think every college athletic department is going to be in by the end of this academic year and fiscal year. Uh, I don't think that there's really much of a shot Lovey Smith won't be the coach again in 2021. I mean, certainly anything could happen, but... I would be surprised if he wasn't still around. Um, even if I don't know, I don't want winless this year. I mean that might tip the scales more than Whitman can maybe you know, accommodate, but it's it, it, he's kinda of, Whitman's kind of all in on Lovie Smith right now.
1: Now, looking at specific positions, right, quarterback is obviously the most important one on the field, and you mentioned it earlier because of COVID and, and other circumstances. Brandon Peters is out another week. You know, Isaiah Williams, however, it looks like, can return this week. And, of course, Koron Taylor has started the last two games. What are the, uh, what what is Illinois' plan at quarterback? Do you think they stay with Taylor, who, again, has started these past two weeks, or turn it over to Williams until, you know, Peters eventually returns what's assumed to be the week after
2: i mean if isaiah williams is good to go and by all accounts he should be at least we'll be back with the team this week i think that's going to be the answer at quarterback on saturday and you know they brought isaiah williams in to be the guy at quarterback at least looking down the road a bit um they also brought brandon peterson at the same time to be the guy right now um so that's not really going to change, but this is an opportunity to see what Isaiah Williams has at quarterback. He's gotten you know, limited opportunities, um, and until the Wisconsin game had appeared more frequently as a wide receiver, um, Just you know, especially in the Redbox Bowl last year, got you know, several snaps at wide out then. Um, but this is your chance to see what the future might look like at quarterback, and He's a dynamic athlete. That hasn't changed, but being a quarterback in college football is different than, than high school, and he's got to show the ability to make some throws, which he hasn't really shown yet, um, and maybe show that he can be more than just an athlete.
1: So you mentioned it earlier. Defensively, look, it, it hasn't been good. Prior to the Minnesota game, the defense, they didn't have an interception, and while they picked off Tanner Morgan last week, they still gave up 40-plus uh, forty, uh, 40 plus points. Why, in your mind, has the defense and the secondary regressed as they have throughout the first three games, and how are they going about trying to change that ahead of this game on Saturday?
2: I'm not sure there's a good answer for either. Um, just in terms of why they haven't maybe built off of you know what they did last year, there isn't a good answer. I mean, this is a group with some experience, um, and I think a lot of it comes down to scheme, and I just don't know if these defensive backs trust the scheme and trust each other in the scheme you know, there's been some shuffling you know because of injuries um tony adams has bounced back and forth between safety and corner you know, this season multiple times um but lovey smith plays you know essentially the same cover two that he ran during his nfl career that creates you know, holes in the middle of the field where you know, linebackers have to get back into coverage um coverage on the edges from the cornerbacks is is soft. I mean they're playing the zone, um mostly, yeah. So that, that allows maybe some, some short routes to be open on a regular basis. But I'm not sure there's a lot of changes that can be made. Um there's not great depth at safety or corner. Um that's sort of been tested with Nate Hobbs missing last week's game against Minnesota. It seems like he will be back. So they'll have their starting quarterback back. But Marquez Beeson is in a boot now. Um, so he was definitely going to factor into things as a redshirt freshman at corner, but maybe not right now. Um, Devin Witherspoon has probably been their best defensive back through three games. And you know, he missed the opener in Wisconsin. Uh, but there's just not a lot behind their starting guys. And I think it's, they just have to go with what they have now, and it's, it's not working, and I'm not sure there's a workable
1: we'll fix either. Scott, a couple more before I let you go. Do you think this game is a game for the Illini where, if things go wrong, if Rutgers does win, regardless of any changes they make, do you think it's a game where we could then see some significant changes after the fact? Maybe not necessarily with Levy Smith, but starting off 0-4, Maybe some personnel, or maybe even some staff changes moving forward if things continue to spiral, you know, down the the wrong direction for the Fighting Illini.
2: Well, never say never, and you, Bobby know, Smith, keeps things awfully close to the vest, so I would not be surprised to see some personnel changes this weekend, and you know, in a shortened season. I mean, this weekend is the, the halfway point of the regular season, so uh, it's time to fix some things if if there are personnel changes to make, but. I don't. I mean, Lovey Smith has, you know, made some changes to his staff uh, over the course of his time at Illinois. Um, most of the turnover has been your coaches getting different jobs, uh, particularly maybe getting some NFL jobs. So uh, it's always a move to make, but at the midway point of a season and a pandemic, I don't think there's going to be any real shift there. I mean, it'd be it'd be something to watch at the end of the year sort of trend of the way there right now, which is obviously
1: good. Last one for me, Scott. I'm sure both these teams saw this game in a week in, in week four and circled it as obviously a very winnable game. With the Illini 0-3 and Rutgers 1-2, I think a win could do a lot for both programs, be it morale and confidence moving forward. I know it would certainly be a huge boost for Rutgers, and, and most fans here in New Jersey are looking at it really as a must-win game. So when the clock hits zero at the end of the fourth quarter, who do you think comes away ultimately with the victory on Saturday?
2: I've thought about this a little bit, and I'm tempted to pick Rutgers. I mean, you know, the the second time around for for Greg Sciano is is off to, I think, an okay start. I mean, he is certainly trying a lot of different things and trick plays and being sort of adventurous in play calling, I like that. Uh, this Illinois team is on its heels uh, the Minnesota game last week was I'd say arguably worse than getting blown out at Wisconsin to, to start the year uh, Wisconsin was a 23 point favorite uh, even if that line turned out to be maybe not big enough as even if people thought maybe it was too big at some point but uh, Minnesota had its own issues and seemed to have a get right game against Illinois uh, it's not a given that only goes into, into Rutgers wins at all. And I think uh, the way they played last week, I, I'm tempted to pick the Scarlet Knights
1: and probably will. Scott Ritchie of the News Gazette out there in Champaign, Illinois. Scott, thank you very much for the time. I really appreciate it. And, of course, as we as you said, sit in a pandemic right now. Most importantly, be safe and be healthy and stay healthy. All right. Thank you. I want to thank Aaron and Scott for coming on the podcast to discuss the Scarlet Knights the Fighting Illini and the game this Saturday. It really is a must win for both teams and for Rutgers, it's an opportunity at a second Big Ten win and a chance to even the record at 2-2 two and two with some more winnable games in the future. It also provides Rutgers with another opportunity as they took with Michigan State to show that they are no longer at the bottom of the Big Ten Conference. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but when you look at the Big Ten Conference, there are winnable games down the road for Rutgers. Sure, these teams coming up, look, they're more talented right now than Rutgers is, but none of the supposed teams that Rutgers was believed to have no shot against have played well at all. Will Rutgers win all or any of those games? Well, that remains to be seen, of course, but the opportunity is there. And frankly, as fans, that's really all we can ask for right now. All we can ask for is to go into each game feeling like we have a shot, because previous seasons, we didn't have that feeling most Saturdays. Whether it's a long shot like last week against the Buckeyes, or as the favorites as Rutgers is against Illinois this week, we fans just want to go in with hope. Luckily for us, this team has provided that. You know, as I said, they won't win every game the rest of the way, but the chance to be competitive every Saturday is there. And as Greg Shiano rebuilds this program once again, here in year number one, all we want is a chance, and we've received that from this team, from the staff, from this program, from these players. And that's all we can ask for as Rutgers continues the second half of the season here on The Banks. Follow On The Banks
0: on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On The Banks Podcast.